But we'll be in John chapter 10 and verse number 10 tonight. John chapter number 10 and verse 10. And we're going to memorize a verse together tonight too. We were talking about Awanas last night. And so I think it'd be good for the adults to memorize the verse too. The kids memorize verses every single week in Awanas. And we had to cut it short this year, but we are excited about uh, what God is doing. We're going to memorize a verse tonight as well. But if you're in John chapter 10, verse number 10, we're going to start reading there. The Bible says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What is your idea of a dream life? What if, if you could have anything in the world, what is your dream? Uh, is it you like watching HGTV? Anybody else like watching HGTV? I love watching it. Uh, and you can watch the TV shows, My Dream Vacation Home. Uh, I was watching one the other day. It was like a Fixer Upper Island edition or something, and a couple bought a whole entire island. And I, that would be really neat to me. Buy a whole entire island, uh, fix it up. You have a place. Nobody's going to bother you, right, because you're by yourself out there. You could have some peace and quiet. Have it like as a vacation home to go to once a year to get away from everything. Uh, and, you know, we all have our ideas of what a dream would be. Maybe it's a dream car uh, that you've always wanted since you were a teenager, men, and you said, I want this car. Uh, and that is your dream car. Uh, but, you know, this Bible verse, when it talks about the life abundantly that Christ wants us to have, isn't talking about material possessions. It's not talking about that car. It's not talking about that vacation home. Uh, it's not talking about that raise that you want at work. Uh, but it's talking about living the abundant Christian life that Christ desires for every single one of us to have. You know, while things are not wrong uh, and things are nice, I'm glad to have nice things. I'm glad to have clothes that I can wear to church, a car to drive that's not going to break down on me. Uh, there's nothing like driving a car that you're afraid of breaking down all the time. Kelly, when we were in college, when we started dating, I joke with her, uh, when we started dating, I didn't have a car yet. I had just gotten my driver's license at 19 years old. I didn't want to pay for driver's education. Uh, and I got a job at Arby's in management. And so I was excited about the job. However, it was 10 miles away from our college, and I didn't have a car. Uh, so Kelly and I started dating January, of, and uh, two weeks later, I started my job. And miraculously, I had a car to drive because she worked on campus. Uh, and so I joke with her that that's why I started dating with her, is I needed a car. But can I tell you about that little car? It got me to and from work, uh, but not without leaving me stranded many times on the side of the road. Uh, it had a radiator in it that just liked to blow up for no apparent reason. Uh, I, the first time it blew up, I was like Miss Wagner. You were at, uh, when did your battery die? You were at Sonic. Yes, yeah, so I am at Ambassador, and we had to tell the school where we were going if we were going to be out past a certain hour. So I did not tell the school that I was going to stop by Dairy Queen to pick up a blizzard on my way home. We were supposed to come straight back if it was after a certain hour of the night. And so here I am at Ambassador. I said, you know what? I'm on my way home from work. I want something sweet. It's been a rough night at work. I'm going to stop by Dairy Queen. I am at the speaker ordering my blizzard, and I'm so excited about eating it. And all of a sudden, a huge puff of smoke comes out of the engine. Uh, and the lady goes, is everything okay? And I said, I think my car's on fire. It just blew up. I don't know what happened. Uh, and so I had the guy behind me help me push it out of the drive-thru. And uh, the radiator had blown up. It's great. I didn't get home till late that night. Uh, thankfully, her grandpa and her dad came down and fixed it for us, replaced it. Uh, and then about two months later, I decided to drive to visit Kelly. She was at home. I was still at school. She was doing student teaching. Uh, and so I was driving her car. Uh, I don't remember why I was driving her car at the time, because I had my own car. Uh, but I was driving. It was probably 2 o'clock in the morning. 
it was one o'clock in the morning. The only restaurant to open that was open in Charlotte, North Carolina, which I drive through to get to her house in Winston-Salem, was Taco Bell. And so I've decided I just hate drive-throughs. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm at Taco Bell, uh, and this Taco Bell closed at one. I found out. So I'm there in the drive-through. All the lights are still on. I'm at the drive-through ordering menu, and nobody's there. And I go to take off again, and the car just dies completely. I thought I had hit something earlier, and apparently it was a belt that came off that's very important, the alternator belt. I learned a lot about alternator belts that night. Uh, and if your battery can't recharge and do all that, it's not good for it. And so here I am in the Taco Bell drive through now, stuck at 1 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's there. The parking lot's completely empty. The workers are gone. They've just left all the lights on. And here I am stuck. Thankfully, some guys that were probably shouldn't have been driving because they were impaired pulled up behind me, helped me push my car out of the drive-thru, uh, and then drove over 16 curbs as they left the Taco Bell parking lot yelling and screaming out their windows. <laughs> I am glad to have a car that I feel comfortable driving back and forth to home, back and forth to Knoxville like we've been doing so much recently. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. Things are not wrong to have. Uh, but our problem is when we become discontent with, with the things that we have. Do I have a 2020 Mercedes-Benz? No, I don't have a 2020 Mercedes-Benz. Uh, I've got a 2012 Kia Optima. Uh, but you know what? That little Kia runs great. It's never left me stranded on the side of the road. I'm thankful for it. Kelly's driving that back and forth to Knoxville because it's more reliable than my 2015 that I have. Uh, and I feel very comfortable with that. And I'm thankful that we have that. But so many times we become discontent with the things that we have. I want to read you a couple of quotes that I found on the Internet that I found to be very uh, intriguing. One was from, and these are all from people who are very affluent, who had lots of money. Andrew Carnegie, does that name sound familiar to anybody? The Carnegie Foundation, Andrew Carnegie, very, very rich. His quote that I found from him was said, millionaires seldom smile. Well, why do you think that is? Because money doesn't bring true happiness. Some of the richest people in the world are some of the saddest people in the world. You look at movie stars that commit suicide. They've got fame. They've got wealth. They've got people that adore them. And yet, uh, here they are, and they'll take their own life because things don't bring happiness. Uh, John Jacob Astor was America's first multimillionaire and the richest man in America at his death. And he said before he passed away, I am the most miserable man on this earth. Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Henry Ford said, I was happier when I was doing a mechanic's job. All these people that had money, that had everything, yet they found something that's very, very true. Money does not equal happiness. Some of the happiest people that I know are people that don't have a ton of money, people that are just thankful for the things that God has given them. And we're going to look at several different things tonight, four or five, depending on time that we have, uh, for five principles for biblical contentment. Five principles for biblical contentment. We're going to open up with the word of prayer, and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would help it to ring true in my heart uh, and in the hearts of the people here tonight, that the Holy Spirit would have free reign. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to memorize a verse tonight, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Does anybody know that verse? My dad made me memorize this verse and quoted it to me often. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And that's the principle I want you to take home after tonight's message, is that one verse, 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's say it together. We'll say the reference, the verse, and then the reference, and be ready, because when you start to fall asleep, I'm going to have you quoted, okay? 
Uh, so let's say it together. 1 Timothy 6.6 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6.6 6. Not bad. I think we can do better though. Let's try it one more time. 1 Timothy 6.6 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6.6 6. And what a great principle to remember when we live a godly life and we are content with such things as we have, we gain much from it. And that's what I want you to take away tonight. Uh, but you say, how can I be content with the things I have? I always want more. There's that, there's that feeling of somebody else gets something nice, and, and I'm excited for them, okay? When somebody, Nathan, brought his car by the first day he got it, or the first week he got it, uh, and let me tell you, I heard him coming a mile away. It, it's a nice car. Uh, and I was excited for him that he got it. I was excited that, uh, but you, you ever had that feeling when somebody gets something nice and you look at it and go, man, I wish I could have that Mustang. That'd be fun to drive around in. Man, that'd be a ton of fun to have. Or somebody gets, uh, you know, that promotion at work and you go, hey, that'd be nice to have that promotion. That'd be nice to make that much money. Uh, that would be nice to have that house. That would be nice to have that, that retirement account. And we can get so focused on other people's things that we forget how much God has blessed us. We just sang that song, Now I Belong to Jesus. And that third verse says, joy floods my soul because I have a lot of money. That's not what it says. It says, joy floods my soul for Jesus has saved me. Man, if that's the only thing that we ever got in this life, how great it would be. Freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. His precious blood he gave to redeem. Now I belong to him. And that's what we should be most thankful for. Uh, but you say, I struggle with contentment. I struggle with looking at other people's things and, and wanting it. I struggle with that. Uh, let's, number one, let's ask God for contentment. You know, you can ask God and say, God, help me with my contentment. Help me be content with such things as I have. Only 2% of Americans describe themselves as rich. Only 2%. 98% of Americans would say they are not rich. And can I tell you, there are probably a lot more people out there that have a lot more money than any of us in this room, uh, and they wouldn't call themselves rich. Why? Because rich is such a, uh, it's a term that, who, who decides what rich is? If I have a million dollars in the bank, does that make me rich? Well, probably if I had a million, what would I want? I'd want two million. If I had two million, I'd want three million. Uh, and so we need to get our mind off of money, and it's not just about money, but let's take it into aspect, every aspect of our life. Let's apply it to every area. How many of you, if you're married in here, before you got married, that was the only thing you wanted? You wanted to be married. You were excited about it. Men, you said, I want a wife. Uh, you met that girl and you said, I want her to be my wife. I want to be married. Uh, I've talked to many, a single person. I would tell my teenagers when I would teach them, uh, we did a series on dating and relationships. Why? Because teenagers are infatuated with relationships, okay? That guy sees that girl, and she is the most beautiful girl in the entire world. And that girl sees that guy, and we know he's the ugliest guy in the entire world. But to her, he is the most handsome guy she has ever met. And they are going to spend the rest of their lives together. Uh, and I would look at them, and I'd go, listen, you are 12 years old, okay? You have a lot to go. You have a lot of life to go. Uh, let's slow it down just a little bit, okay? Uh, so we talked about relationships with our teenagers. And we said, you always want the next thing. Uh, and my dad would say this to me when I was younger. He said, Daniel, it is better to be single and wish you were married than to be married and wish you were single. 
Why? Because if I'm single and wish I was married, what can I do about it? Well, I can find a wife and I can get married. But what in God's eyes, when we get married, uh, it's a lifelong commitment to each other. And what does it cause uh, when divorce happens? It causes a lot of issues and it hurt with families. But can I tell you, that's what I told my teenagers. Listen, you can want to be married all you want. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be married, but it's better to be single and wish you were married than to be married and wish you were single. Uh, And don't elbow your husbands and wives in here and say, see, I wish I was single. (laughs) But let me tell you, that's just one aspect. Say, man, I wish I could have a happy marriage. Man, I wish I could have a bigger house. Man, I wish I didn't have so much debt. Man, I wish, and we can apply it to every single aspect of our life, but we need to be content with what God has given us. Wives, I'm sorry, you're stuck with the husbands you are, okay? Uh, I know some of you wish that you could, Kelly, she's not here tonight. She's probably watching going, I could have done so much better. Why didn't I wait? Uh, No, but we need to be content because how easy it is in this world. What does the world say? You can have it your way. The world says, you look at Hollywood and the discontentment there is, if a relationship in Hollywood lasts longer than a year, I'm really surprised by it. Why? Because they're up and on to the next thing and they have no commitment. And I told you this before my dad's sermon, he would preach to us on the way to school. Sermon 401 point B, commitment. He would yell in the car on the way to school with all my friends and they loved it at seven o'clock in the morning on the way to Fairfax Baptist Temple Academy. Uh, He'd yell, commitment. You know what's wrong with this generation that you go from house to house, from marriage to marriage, from relationship to relationship, from job to job, and you have no commitment. He goes, that's what's missing in this world. And you know, that is what's missing in this world is commitment. Uh, It's not just about money. It's about everything in our life. We need to be content with what God has blessed us with. Because what are we? We are children of God. And if we are children of God, what does the Bible says? Just like we would provide for our children... Don't you think our Heavenly Father will provide for us? Don't you think He sees that need that you have? And I know there's needs in this room. I know that there are physical needs that are represented in this room, health issues. I know that there are issues financially, that you need financial help. I know there's issues with family issues. Can I tell you that God sees every single one of those issues, and He hasn't forgotten you. He is there, and He is there with you every single step of the way. I'll tell you from personal, I'll be real with you for a minute. Uh, and tell you that, that it's hard for us in the NICU a lot of times to see uh, what they call, they have a secret word for it, and I don't know what it is. We figured out what it is. So when they call it, we know. Uh, but a drug baby. Here's a baby that the mom doesn't care about that baby and has done drugs the entire pregnancy, and now that baby's in the NICU. And can I tell you, the first time I heard that and our nurse had to run out to the delivery, and you see all the nurses just kind of roll their eyes and sigh, and they're, they're angry Uh, at the mother for doing that to their baby because they don't care. And I can look at that and I can go, you know what, here Kelly and I are, and we love our baby. And Kelly didn't do any drugs while she was pregnant, yet that drug baby will probably get out in a month. And here, we've been there for a month. Grayson's a month old, and we're excited about that. He's doing great. I don't want you to think we're discouraged. But sometimes you look at those things, and I become discontent with where God has me right now. And can I tell you, God has us exactly where he wants us. He has Grayson exactly where he needs to be in the NICU. He has Kelly and I exactly where we need to be. But it's easy to look at other people's situations and go, I wish I could have their life. I wish that I could have a baby that wasn't in the NICU right now. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I know that God has us exactly where we need to be right now. And that's reassuring to me. And is it easy all the time? I'm going to tell you, I'm preaching this tonight, but it's not easy all the time to live a content life. 
Uh, it is very, very difficult at times, and you guys know that as well. It's difficult, especially in the difficult times of life. Uh, when God's putting you through a trial, through a situation, you go, why is this happening to me? Uh, and I think of the trials that are going in here right now, going on in this room right now. Uh, I think of Bernard and the issues that he's had this week. How many times has he been in the emergency room this week with his mom? Three times in the last week with his mom. I can tell you Bernard doesn't want to be sitting in the emergency room. Uh, the emergency room is never a fun place to be. Uh, and especially now in the time of COVID, it's not a fun place to be. But there are many different situations going on in this room uh, from cancer that people are battling. from. And I just look and I go, you know what? I know it's hard to be content, especially in those difficult times. But we need to ask God for help with that. So it's not just finances. It's in every single aspect of our life that we need to live content. Because what riches are in the eye of the beholder. You know, I feel like I am richer than any millionaire because I have a wonderful wife. Uh, I have a handsome son that, you know, I told all the nurses, I said, I'm worried about how Grayson's going to be. Uh, you know, today he scared Kelly. He ripped his CPAP off of his face about four o'clock this afternoon. His heart rate dropped down. Uh, they, he had a Brady is what they call it. He stopped breathing. His heart rate dropped down. Uh, and so the nurse rushed into the room and said, oh, he just ripped his CPAP off. I said, Grayson's going to be trouble. I know it. I can see it now. Landon's been so easy. He's been so good uh, that Grayson's just going to give us all the heartaches in the world. Uh, but we can look at it, and we, uh, it's in every aspect of our life that we need to be content. I am a blessed person. I have a wonderful family. I have a wonderful church family. I am thankful for every single one of you. What a blessing it has been to be here uh, during this time. I can't imagine being anywhere else because you guys have been so wonderful to Kelly and I uh, with your prayers, with letters, with words of encouragement, text messages. I, I just can't imagine being anywhere else. I am a very blessed individual. But that's not an easy place to come to in difficult times. So let me tell you, ask God for contentment when you're struggling with it. Number two, we need to live a life of discipline, of moderation. How easy it is. I'll, I'll have another honest moment with you. Kelly and I uh, were dumb our first year of marriage. As my grandpa would say, that's D-U-M, dumb. You go, that's not how you spell that. That's his point, okay? It's, it's dumb. We were really, really dumb our first year of marriage and said, we're living in New York City, Brooklyn, New York. And what an awesome experience it was to live in New York. Everything's expensive in New York City, okay? We sold our cars because our car insurance was going to be over $400 a month for one car that we weren't going to be able to drive. The, who likes to drive in New York City? I love to drive in New York City, but I didn't want to rely on a car. I wanted to be able to take the subway and not be paying $400 a month just for car insurance to have it parked on the street. But we lived that first year like we were rich. Man, I had credit cards. It was great. I had great credit. I had credit cards. And here I am going, we have no money. There were days that we were counting out our change to pay our bills. Uh, we would sit there on the floor of our kitchen with our, our change jar, and we were. We were counting it out, going, we've got to make this last payment for electricity. Let's count out the money, go roll it, get cash, and then go pay this bill. Uh, but, you know, we were on the weekends going to Times Square, eating at these restaurants, maxing out these credit cards. Why? Because I had not come to the point where I realized, you know what, these, this food, these items that we're buying that we're going to pay for for the next five years of our marriage uh, are not worth it. And so now, you know, how many of you have taken Dave Ramsey's course? We did it here a couple years ago, Financial Peace University. What does Dave Ramsey say? Uh, my brother always quotes Dave Ramsey. He goes, what would Dave do? Well, my brother's name is David as well. Uh, so it can mean many different things. But he would go, Daniel, what would Dave do? 
what does Dave Ramsey say? He goes, live like nobody else today so that one day you can live like nobody else. Well, what is his point? Live like you're poor, even if you have money. Don't go live beyond your means. And how many times do we live beyond our means because we don't practice moderation? And so I have learned that now. Uh, I tell you, we learned it after five years of paying credit card bills that we weren't getting any benefit from. It was the food that we had eaten in New York City. And it was miserable writing those checks. I don't write checks. Who am I kidding? Paying those online payments to those credit card companies every month. And it was mostly interest that I was paying. But so we learned an important lesson that we need to live a disciplined life, a life of moderation. What does the Bible say? Let's look at Philippians 4, 5. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. We need to live a moderate life. We get in a lot of trouble because we want it and we want it now. Instead of, so let's go financially. I know it's so much more than finances, but we want that and we want it now. So what do we do? We put it on the credit card and then we don't pay the credit card off at the end of the month and then we're paying interest on that credit card and then all of a sudden we get ourselves in trouble because we had the we want it now personality. Uh, we have no discipline or moderation. Uh, and I speak to myself as much as as anybody in here and say, I don't struggle with that. That is great. I am happy. I'm preaching to myself right now, okay? Uh, we need to live moderate lives, disciplined lives in our area of our finances. Uh, but what about in the area of our Christian lives? Should we live moderate lives? Should we live lives? What does the Bible say uh, about offending a brother of lower degree? Someone who's not, we can do things in life that aren't necessarily wrong. I've told you about my dad. He doesn't wear blue jeans, because there's a man in his church who would offend. So he wears black jeans. I know that's so much different, okay? It, it offended somebody. So he does that. And it's not that he has a conviction against blue jeans, okay? He has no conviction against blue jeans, uh, but it offended somebody. So he didn't, he lived a, he practiced self-discipline and said, you know what? If it offends that person, it's not worth it. He, they had a close relationship together. He mattered to him. He goes, I am willing to do this to save that relationship with that man. Uh, and he has. Ever since I was a kid, he's worn black jeans. Uh, and, and he doesn't complain about it. It's who he is now. If my dad ever walked in in blue jeans, I'd go, what's happened? What is wrong with you? You look strange. Go put on a pair of black jeans. Uh, but th that was just something that was important to him, saving that relationship. So, you know, sometimes we need to have discipline in how we act and what we do in places we go uh, and places that people see us because it can cause somebody else to offend and so cause somebody else's relationship with Christ to be put off path, and so we need to be careful and live disciplined lives. Romans 13, 8, back on finances, says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. We need to have discipline in our lives, both financially uh, and spiritually in what we do. But moving right along, for time's sake, uh, number three is, it goes complete opposite of what I said, okay? We need to be able to give liberally. Give liberally. What does the Bible say? 2 Corinthians 8, 2 says, How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Can I tell you, we are in a church that is a giving church. You guys are a very, very giving church. Uh, and do we have a bunch of multimillionaires in this building here tonight? No, but it doesn't matter. You guys are a very giving church. Uh, you have been a blessing to my wife and I. You're giving of your time. I can tell you, Teresa has spent many hours at our house down in the secret hideout. And if you want to know what the secret hideout is, it is a spider-infested crawl space underneath of our stairs that Landon has all his toys in. 
Uh, and so she has spent many hours down there. Miss Wagner spent hours at our house. And, and so many of you have given of your time to our family over, these last, over this last year, uh, money financially, uh, emotionally, and just helping us. And, and I'm very, very thankful for that. You guys are a very giving church. But can I encourage you to continue to give? I believe God blesses people, not so that just they can amass riches, not so just they can have all this stuff to show for it, but so that they can be a blessing to others. Somebody was a huge blessing to us. It was from outside of this church. Somebody was a huge blessing to us. And it allowed us to be a blessing to someone else about eight months ago. And that person said, I, I don't want this. And I said, you know what? Somebody blessed us with this so that we could bless you. So that we could in turn be a blessing to someone else. Because I believe that's what God, that's why God gives us things. Not so that we can just hoard it and become hoarders and have all this wealth, but so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, does that mean that I want you to go give away everything that you have? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I think that giving, being a giving church is important and being a giving Christian is important. And it doesn't have to be money, okay? You say, I don't have a ton of money to give. You can give of your time. I'm so thankful. These work days, uh, I was able to be at the last one. Uh, and the workday, how many, there were over 30 people, maybe 40 people that were here at the church that gave of their time. It took no money, except for gas money, to drive over here. Uh, and you can give of your time without having to give a single dollar. My grandma's ministry uh, is writing cards to people. She writes cards to missionaries all over the world. Uh, and can I tell you the number of missionaries that I've talked to, and they said, are you related to Vivian Bishop in Brown City, Michigan? And I go, yes, I am. And they go, she has written my kids a letter every month since they were born. She's done it for years, probably 50 years. Uh, and does it cost, that costs her a little bit of money. You've got to buy international postage, but that is her ministry and she can do that for people. Uh, and there's, uh, I think of Dorcas. Denver always signs, she always signs them Denver and Dorcas. So when Kelly gets one, I go, oh, who's that pretty card from? Because if you've ever gotten a card from Dorcas, she hand makes her cards. They're beautiful cards. And she'll go, oh, it's from Dorcas. I go, no, Denver signed his name in there. Obviously, Denver made the card, and Dorcas just signed it. That's all it is. Is that right? No. <laughs> but that, that's her ministry, and I can't tell you the countless cards that we've gotten from her and so many times at a time when we needed encouragement, uh, and it doesn't take millions of dollars, a bunch of money, just walking up to someone, sending them a text message saying, I'm praying for you can be such a huge encouragement to them. So let me encourage you to continue to be a giving church, to give what God has blessed us with, with our, not just our treasures, but our time. Giving time to people. Asking them how they're doing and really caring about how they're doing. Have you ever asked someone how they're doing and you didn't really care how they were doing? It was just a formality. You're like, hey, how are you doing? And then they started to tell you and you're like, oh, I didn't really want to know how you were doing. I wish I... But giving people time, letting them know that you care. That's free. Giving of your talents to the Lord. Uh, it's been hard not having the choir up here. I enjoy hearing the choir sing, and uh, you know a, that's something that you can do for free. You can sing, give of your talents to the Lord, and everybody's been blessed different, and God's blessed everybody different with different talents, with different finances, uh, with different... Not everybody's meant to be in the choir. Pastor said that on Sunday. Some people make a joyful noise, right? We don't want everybody... Brother Jerry, does he not sing well? He's not here, so we'll pick on him tonight. You know, we don't want everybody in the choir, okay? Then there'd be no congregation to sing to. But if you can sing, man, come sing in the choir when we start it back. You like working with kids. Tamara, are we ever, do we ever have too many Awana workers, nursery workers, 
Oh, we always need more. There's places for us, to, for people to serve. Can I tell you, serving in the nursery would not be my thing. Never in a million years would I want to. I love my kids, but I don't want to change your kids' poopy diapers, okay? It's debatable sometimes if I want to change my kids' poopy diapers. But uh, that's not the place for me to serve. But God's blessed every single one of us, and we can give. And how does it help us? It helps us to be content because we realize what we've been given, we are stewards of. We had our annual budget meeting last night, uh, and there is a list there of stewards of the different categories of the budget. What does that mean? Those people are responsible for seeing how that money is spent and making sure that it's spent in a way that's honoring and pleasing, not only to uh, the congregation here and making sure it's handled in the right way, but before God Almighty. They are stewards of that money, uh, of that budget category. And can I tell you what God has given us, we are stewards of, and how are we using what he's blessed us with? Because we are all blessed individuals in here tonight. Every single one of us. The problems that you have, uh, the, the trials that you're going through, you are still blessed individuals. And how are we stewarding what God has given us? Not only that, number four, we need to remember to enjoy what we've been blessed with. Enjoyment is one great way to be content. Do we enjoy the blessings that God has given us? Do we enjoy... I tell you something I take for granted until it breaks. How's your air conditioning at your house, Miss Virginia? There is no air conditioning. That's something that I take for granted. I have a cool app on my phone. Uh, when I leave the house, it automatically turns the air up for me so that I'm not paying to air condition a house when I'm not there. And then when I come home, it turns down. The other day, I came home. And it was 89 degrees in my house, and I went, something is not right. <laughs> there is no, I take air conditioning for granted because it's something I don't have to set, I don't have to think about, it, it, it just works. Or I'll walk into here in the church building, and there's been several times I've walked in, and the air conditioning has not been working in the auditorium. It'll be Wednesday, 4 o'clock, and I'm going, something is not right. It is 78 degrees in the auditorium. Uh, that's something we take for granted. We don't enjoy it, we enjoy it, but we forget to actually get enjoyment out of it. Because when that breaks, you are thankful when that gets fixed. The Wagners had their air conditioning break. It's not fun when your air conditioning is broken, especially in the middle of the summer, in August, in East Tennessee. But we need to be thankful. We need to enjoy what God has blessed us with. I think about kids and some, I was talking to one of our nurses at the hospital. Her and her husband have been together for nine years. They have no kids. They wanted to enjoy each other. I said, can I tell you something? Enjoy your spouse before you have kids. Uh, but I enjoy Landon. He is so much fun to be around. There are times that we want to rip each other's hair out, but Landon and I have a lot of fun together. Do we have fun, Landon? Dangerous to ask your kid in front of the whole church. We do, yes. He shook his head yes if you didn't see him. Well, we do. We have a lot of fun together. I enjoy Landon. Does that mean that it's always easy raising a kid? If you've raised children in here today, you know that there are some times that they drive you insane. They drive, I see some parents' heads shaking in here. They drive, you probably drove your parents insane. I drove my mom and dad insane. Uh, they're not as much as my brother, so I got away with more because he was worse than I was uh, when we were growing up. But I, I did, I drove my parents insane. I didn't always obey, I wasn't the model child. But can I tell you that I don't, I enjoy my son. I enjoy my wife. Uh, I take for granted, I can tell you, I took for granted my wife. Uh, until about May 12th or 13th when she had her surgery uh, and she was not allowed to do the laundry, wash dishes, cook. And I realized, you know what? 
there's so much that happens at this house that I don't even realize. The laundry fairy disappeared. <laughs> I went to my drawer one day and I went, Kelly, why are there no socks in my drawer? She goes, have you done laundry? I went, yep, nope, I sure have not done laundry. I need to do some laundry. I, I realized that so many times even I myself take my wife for granted. We need to enjoy the things that God has blessed us with. Instead of wanting more, instead of wanting a different job, a different wife, a different house, uh, more money, we should just enjoy what God has blessed us with, and, and we'll be so much more content. Just take some time. Maybe you need to take a journal and write down the things that God has blessed you with. It's not a bad thing to do. When you're starting to feel discontent, write down the blessings that God has given you. In number five, and it kind of goes along with living a life of enjoyment, being a steward, we need to live our life with an eternal purpose, realizing that this life is not the end game, that heaven is our ultimate goal. You could amass all the wealth here on this earth, and one day it'll burn up. Nothing will be left. My dad's house that he grew up in, uh, when we were kids, we got to go into his childhood home and see it, uh, and it was amazing. My grandpa had moved into a double wide, one property down, uh, and just left the house sitting there. There were toys that my dad had played with growing up still sitting in the middle of the living room floor. They had just left everything in there. Uh, and it was amazing to walk through that house and see they had built it, uh, and it had been there, yet it was dilapidated, and we got to, they burned the house down. The fire department came in and used it as a practice burn. Uh, you know, that house is completely gone now. You could drive past the property, and you can still see the barns and the outbuildings there, but there is no house and no evidence of a house. It's completely gone. And one day, that will be everything that we have will just be completely gone. The money, you can't take it with you. You've heard people say you can't take a U-Haul to a funeral and take that stuff with you. I say that's wrong. I've seen a couple U-Hauls in funeral processions. I'm not sure if they accidentally got mixed in with it, uh, but I have seen a U-Haul in a funeral procession. So I don't say you can't have a U-Haul in a funeral procession, but can I tell you, you could take that U-Haul. You look at the pharaohs and those tombs that they were buried in, and I find it amazing to watch the wealth that they just buried in the ground, the people that would sacrifice their lives to go join them in the afterlife, and these massive tombs dedicated to these kings, yet none of that stuff is with them. It's still sitting there in the ground or in museums today. You can't take it with you. We need to realize that our, our life is not here on this earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, you know the verses. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. We need to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Contentment. And I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to you guys tonight. This is a message that has, has convicted me in areas that I realize that I have not been content. And it's not that I'm wanting everything that you have, okay? It's not that I want this and I want that and I'm out there living a miserable life, but there are areas of my life where I had become discontent or I had not enjoyed as much what God has blessed me with and how blessed of a human that I am. Uh, but we are so blessed. We should enjoy our life. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What would be the greatest thing to be remembered by? I am weird. You go, yes, amen. You are weird, Daniel. Uh, I am very weird in that one of my greatest things that I like to do, and it weirds Kelly out. She hates it. Uh, I enjoy going to cemeteries and reading the tombstones. I enjoy going around and seeing when people passed away. There was a tombstone, or there was a uh, cemetery in 
South Carolina by our house that I walked through one day, uh, and there were people buried there from the Civil War. And I just find that amazing to walk through. One of my favorite cemeteries to walk through uh, is up just outside of Yale, Michigan, uh, and that is where most of my mom's family is buried. So I can walk through there and can follow my family's timeline and see this is my great-grandparents, these are my great-great-grandparents. And it's just amazing to see their names and to read their epitaphs that they have on their tombstone. But, but think about it with me. What would be the greatest epitaph to have on there? They were the richest man in the world. They had the most cars ever. They had the, they had the nicest car. They finally made it and got their dream car. Uh, no, what would be the greatest epitaph? They lived a life that was honoring and pleasing to God. I tell you, my grandpa, it's amazing to see what an impact you can have on your kids. Well, what would be the greatest treasure in my life would to be to see my son grow up to love God and to serve him with his life. Now, does that mean that I want him to go into full-time service? I would love it if he would serve God with his life. But wherever God leads him, whether it's to be a doctor, whether it's to be uh, whatever God has for him to be, I want him to be a person that loves God, a person who serves him in the church. What a great blessing that would be. And parents and grandparents, what would be a great blessing to see your grandchildren, to be able to influence them and to be able to see them grow up and to love and serve God uh, with their life. And so can I tell you that we are very blessed people. And to remember that every time you start to become discontent with where we are, when you start to face those hard times, remember how good God has been to us and that he hasn't forsaken you. What, does he say? what did he say? He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you unto the ends of the worlds. Amen. It doesn't matter where we go in life, that God is always with us and always watching out for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to remember that godliness with contentment is great gain. I pray that most of all that we would strive to live godly lives. And I think of the people here tonight, and I believe that that is their heart and desire to live a godly life, but also that we would be content with how you have blessed us, that we would be content with the things that you have given to us. And Lord, that we would gain so much in our Christian life from that. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do continue to be with pastor, pray for pastor uh, and then the Bryant's granddaughter went, and it is not her eyes. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was not her eyes. And so she has another appointment. Is that correct? So she's going to see a neurologist because she's had a rough day of it. So she's still struggling with those migraines, uh, but it is not her eyes. And so pray that they're able to figure that out, that they'd be able to get her some relief from those migraines and figure out what's causing those. Um, as well as many have asked for an update on Grayson. They said, you didn't give one on Sunday, uh, so we just assumed something was wrong. He is doing well. Uh, he is three pounds, praise the Lord. He's gained a pound since he was born. Really, he's gained more than a pound because he lost some when he was born. Uh, but he's back up to three pounds now. He was two when he was born. Um, a prayer request we have, he's having some stomach issues uh, where his stomach is distended. Uh, it's rather large. It got up to 29 centimeters the other night, and it's supposed to be around 24, 25 centimeters. So his little belly, if you look in pictures really close that uh, Kelly's put up, you can see his belly is big. Uh, they did x-rays on it today. It's just air from the CPAP that's being pushed down into his little stomach, uh, and it's just having a hard time with it. Uh, it's causing some bleeding in his stools, and so they're concerned about that. They don't want it to become perforated, which would require surgery. Uh, and so that is our big prayer request right now. Everything else is going amazing. Uh, he's doing awesome. He's growing like he needs to be. 
uh, the doctors and nurses uh, love him, and they, uh, I say it's encouraging to me to be able to look at a nurse when they go, we can't believe how well he's doing. Our nurse says that almost every time she starts a new shift, because I thought for sure that he would have been back on the ventilator by now. Uh, I'm amazed that he's not. And I said, you know, we have a lot of people praying for little Grayson, uh, and I don't believe she's saved. And so that's a neat testimony for me to be able to say. So thank you for praying. Uh, he's doing great. He's growing, and we're excited. Uh, he's still got a long road ahead, uh, but we're excited about how God's worked there. And Denver's going to come up and do prayer requests tonight. All right, let's uh, look over.